Welcome back, everybody. This is the Prepared Mindset Podcast. I'm your host, Austin, and very excited for my guest this week, Jonah from 100 Concepts is sitting on and joining me. We're having a discussion. If you guys follow us on Patreon, if you're one of our, our patrons there, then you know, you've already uh, heard the first discussion we had. But if you're not, A, you should head over to patreon.com forward slash prepared underscore mindset underscore pod. Check out what we're doing there. Throw us a little support. Check out, you know, we have exclusive episodes, videos, blog posts, all kinds of good stuff going on over there. But if you guys have been following us for any time at all, you know that we are very blessed to be partnered with 100 Concepts, and Jonah is one of the founders and owners of 100 Concepts. If you've been living under a rock, 100 Concepts is an awesome company. They've been coming out with all kinds of really, really cool products. they got a lot more in the works. Uh, really, really well thought out stuff. You know, extremely passionate dudes, uh, Garrett, Pierce, and Jonah that that run 100 Concepts, and I think you guys are really going to enjoy the discussion this week as we get into, you know, what what led to a company like this, how did they decide that this was what, you know, they needed to do and what kind of products and things like that that they should bring to market because it's it's a big industry out there. You know, we, we look around all over the place and it seems like every everybody, right, during uh, the 2000 lockdowns, or sorry, uh, 2020 lockdowns, uh, you know, started a company, started a project, started an endeavor. That's, that's how this podcast, you know, really came to be. Uh, but it's always interesting, at least for me, to hear what got everybody else to that point. You know, everyone kind of has the idea, everyone kind of has the itch that they could, you know, run their own business, they could do their own thing, but it's an entirely different discussion to actually take that step to actually make that commitment and, and, and launch a company. Uh, and it's very, very cool to see these guys being as successful as they are. So I think you guys are really going to dig it. Uh, I love it when I get to spend some time sitting down with Jonah, we connect, uh, sporadically, you know, he's very, very busy. Obviously now the, the company is, has taken off and there's so much traction with the light caps and the scope caps, all that good stuff. We're going to get into all kinds of different things. I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to it. Uh, but before I can get on over to my discussion with Jonah, I have to say thank you to our sponsors. We are a sponsored podcast here at The Prepared Mindset, and we partner with some really, really awesome companies that help us bring this content to you guys. So I'm going to go through this. May you guys grab some discount codes. Go support these companies. Just so you know, we don't get a kickback from any of these uh, other than you know their support. Uh, it's not monetary. I don't make any money off this podcast. Uh, maybe someday down the line. But in the meantime, very, very cool that we get to uh, partner with the companies here. Very blessed to have those relationships in the industry with some really, really solid people doing great work. So with that, first, I have to say thank you to Midwest Gunworks. Guys, if you're looking for parts for a build, head on over to MidwestGunworks.com. If you've finished your build and now you just need to add to it, you need to pick up an optic, you need to pick up lights, you need to pick up spare magazines head on over to MidwestGunWorks.com. You can use discount code PREPAREDMINDSET to save 5% off your order. All right? And help. maybe if you're picking up a firearm, a firearm for your wife uh, or your kids that are just getting into their first 22 or something, again, discount code PREPAREDMINDSET saves you 5% off. Midwest Gunworks has all kinds of good stuff in stock from your name brands. This isn't some fly-by-night operation that only stocks the bottom shelf you know, gear. These guys have been in business since 1997. They carry the good stuff, and they let you know what's in stock. So unlike some other websites out there, you're going to know when you order that this is in stock, and it'll be shipping out to you soon. Some companies out there don't do that. Some companies out there can't be trusted with your business. 
not true of Midwest Gunworks, head on over again, MidwestGunworks.com. Let them take care of you and use Prepared Mindset as your discount code for 5% off. Thank you as well, obviously, to uh, my guests this week and the crew over at 100 Concepts. Like I said in the be, you know the the beginning here, the introduction, 100 Concepts is a really great company doing a lot of r- just very amazing things in the industry and bringing you guys all kinds of gear at a price point that everybody can access. So whether it's their light caps or their scope caps, their helmet scrim, their pack scrim, their chem light kits, their chem light refills, their pace beads, all really, really great stuff. I picked up a Rain 3.0 from these guys, and I swear to God, this thing's like a damn lightsaber. They have them in stock, flat dark earth, fantastic light from the crew over at Cloud Defensive. They stock the you know the Samaritan Med pouches there, all kinds of great stuff. Head on over to 100concepts.com, pick up some light caps, pick up some scope caps, make sure that you're not giving anything away, any reflections, anything like that. Don't, don't be stupid about it. Go pick these up. They're really, really cheap. Pick up some pack scrim. Pick up some helmet scrim. Pick up a couple of them. You know, the weather changes. It's still changing. I thought here in Michigan we'd be up to 80 degrees by now. Head on over to 100concepts.com. Support Garrett, Pierce, and Jonah with a company whose motto is do good, be dangerous, and live free. Also, a huge shout-out and thank you to John and his team over at LARP Labs. Guys, LARPLabs.com is your one-stop for optic vinyl wraps, light vinyl wraps, laser vinyl wraps. You know, like I just mentioned, talking about scrim and camouflage and the weather and environment changing, it's always changing here in Michigan. If you're talking about painting your rifle, hey, green is great. Green and browns are awesome. But when the ground's covered in snow, not so much. So rather than cover your rifle in coat and coat and coat of paint as the seasons change back and forth, you can check into some of these awesome vinyl wraps. Head on over to LARPLabs.com. This is computer-cut vinyl, very, very precise, and it is 3M. This shit is super durable, you guys. It is used on competitive rock crawlers. It doesn't peel, doesn't leave any kind of weird gunk or residue. It's not... It's not a sticker, right? It's not some cheap thing that's going to fall off in a week or two. It's rated to stay outdoors for three years. Head on over to LARPLabs.com. Use discount code PREPAREDMINDSET to save 10% off when you're picking up an optic wrap, a light wrap, a wrap for your your handheld light, maybe even your PVS-14. They have all kinds of colors, camouflage patterns in stock, and they do great under night vision. Head on over to LARPLabs.com. Check it out. Discount code PREPAREDMINDSET saves you 10%. And last but not least, our friends over at Active Carry. Guys, medical is a huge part of every discussion we have here. Uh, very few conversations that we've had on this podcast don't touch on the importance of medical and medical training. That's where Active Carry comes in. Head on over to ActiveCarryTech.com. That's tech with no H, ActiveCarryTEC.com, and use discount code PMP10 to save 10% off your order. You can check out the website, pick up one of their Blazer IFACs, one of their Gamma kits, a Breacher Dangler kit if you need something for, for work or you're looking to build out your plate carrier and you want to use your Dangler for medical, the Breacher is a great option. They also have their Guardian Ankle Kit and a custom kit builder tool that you can use to build out a kit specific to your wants, needs, and desires. If you, By some stretch, you cannot find what you're looking for with one of their options they already have pre-built out there. And guys, they are stocking as many USA-made components as possible. They're bringing great, great products to you guys for stuff that you, you really need. 
Okay, don't be caught without a tourniquet, don't be caught without a chest seal or gauze when it really, really counts. When tragedy strikes, you want to make sure that you are well equipped to be effective in the moment. Head on over to activecarrytech.com. Again, discount code PMP10 is going to save you 10% off when you head over to pick up a kit, a tourniquet, whatever you need. Huge, huge thank you to those companies. Proud and blessed to be able to work with them. Super, super happy to have them as partners. So, like I said, my guest this week is Jonah from 100 Concepts. We get into a whole bunch of stuff. It's a really, really great conversation. We had a blast doing the the Patreon episode that recorded, and you know, with everything that's been going on and how busy they've been, I'm just I'm super thrilled we found time in his schedule to get him to sit down with me. So, with that, and without any further delays here, let's jump on over to my conversation with Jonah of 100 Concepts. Jonah, welcome back, man. Hey, thanks for having me on again. Dude, uh, very, very happy to. Uh, I know some of our listeners probably heard our, our first discussion. You know, we did that. Doesn't feel like six months ago. I'm pretty sure it was like December or something. So almost six months ago now. Yeah. Uh, and and really happy that we get to connect again. Because I know in the last, I don't know, since probably SHOT Show, maybe the last four months or so, you guys have gotten real busy with stuff. Real busy. Yeah, a lot of stuff's kind of been changing and a lot of stuff, a lot of moving parts we're trying to deal with. Well, I mean, I guess that's that's what you get for starting a company that's successful. So, yeah, they say, uh, <laughs> one of my favorite quotes was, um, I didn't want to work my nine to five, so I started my own company. Now I work 24-7. Yeah, that's, <laughs> I grew up yeah. with somebody that ran their own business. That's definitely That's definitely how it works. Like, yeah, it's like a nine to nine is a good day. Yep. Um, so, uh, let's just start, let's have you introduce yourself to, uh, the listeners and, you know, we'll kind of take it from there. I think everybody knows who 100 concepts is, but let's, let's hear a little bit about you. Okay. Uh, well, my name is Jonah. I am the, uh, co-founder of 100 concepts. Um, kind of more background on me outside of that. Um, I am a biological engineer, uh, by degree. I kind of try to or at least used to try to market myself as mechanical uh, just because that's where I uh, have some skills and kind of fit in with that crowd. And I grew up on a farm working on farm equipment and stuff like that. So that kind of comes more natural to me. Um, and I'm a husband and father and uh, an American proud to be and a follower of Christ. I mean, that's kind of the bullet points there. And uh, yeah. yeah. Well, I didn't even, I, I feel like you, as much as we've talked, I didn't, I don't know if I knew that you were an engineer. I mean, it oh. makes sense, but, and I'm thinking, I'm like flashing back to the year I spent in college trying to be an engineer and how confused I was by the, uh, uh, the sales pitch they gave me at the university. I tended to like, Oh, Hey, my name's so-and-so I work for, I think it was like general motors and I'm a chemical engineer. We're like, cool. What do you, you know, we're thinking like, Oh, you must work in emissions or or something like that. He's like, no, I designed the shape of the seats. <laughs> Wait, no, you mean like the, like the, the, the material they use on the seats, right? And he's like, no, 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 the actual shape. That's the beauty of being an engineer. You can get a degree in one thing and do something completely different. I was For like, sure. this doesn't make any sense to me at all, but yeah, I, that's, that's how it works. <laughs> that's kind of what I was trying to kind of go for was biomedical kind of thing. Um, I grew up a lot around, you know, my dad uh, was a veterinarian. So I dealt with a lot of, a lot of the anatomical and biological aspects. And, um, for a long time, I said I wanted to be a, a weapons designer as a kid, 
you know, watching like, I want to be Tony Stark basically. And, um, and then somewhere along the way, I was like, no, that's not noble. I need to do something that helps the world. And so I said, I wanted to, you know, be in biomedical and do prosthetics and artificial organs and things like that. And, um, and then we started 100 concepts and now I'm back to defense contractor. Full <laughs> <laughs> <Some small> circle. <laughs> so let's, let's talk about that. How did you guys get to the point where you decided that 100 concepts was, you know, that, that it was going to be a thing, you know, cause I think everybody or lots of people anyway, always have that, that thought like, you know, oh, it's so easy. I'll just, I'll start my own business or, you know, I'm sick of my job. I'm just going to start my own company and then I'll be off early every Friday drinking beer and everything's going to (laughs) be great. And I'll show the world that, you know, I don't have to take that crap from my old boss. And it's, it's not, it's not the way it works, but how did you guys get to the point where you decided that this was going to be like, we're we're going to, you know, take the chance on it. Yeah. So, um, my, one of my business partners, Garrett and I, um, we were, uh, we've been talking for a little bit about that very same thing. Um, I was still in college at the time, um, but he had been working, you know, for years in various fields. Uh, he was a pipe welder and then moved to nursing and, uh, basically was like, I'm tired of this. I can't do this anymore. I'm tired of working for other people and yeah. I, I want equity in something. And, um, so we started, you know, reading books together and learning and talking about possibilities, um, and, uh, but things didn't really start to take shape, uh, until we had kind of a push. So like, I think it was September, 2021, uh, like I said, Garrett was a nurse and, um, uh, Biden put out a mandate, don't mean to get too political, just stating the facts here, but basically said any businesses with a uh, hundred plus, um, employees would be required that all their employees, employees would be uh, vaccinated. Yeah, so, yep. Yep. And so Garrett was like, all right, well, uh, I've got to find a plan B because I'm not doing it, you know? And um, I think it was that day actually that he like texted me and he was like, I've got the name. What do you think about 100 concepts? And um, basically kind of stemmed out of, we had a lot of ideas that we wanted to make. And so he was like, that could kind of play into the whole 100 concepts thing. Uh, But really kind of stemmed from that, that mandate uh, for businesses with hundred plus employees. So um didn't really think too much about it. Just kind of said, it's a, it's a catchy name and it, it kind of tells our history a little bit and just kind of took out the LLC, like think the next day. And, um, we were working on, uh, light caps and sling hooks. And those were kind of some of the things that I had been using personally, um, in my like daily rucks and stuff. And, uh, we're like, we could probably sell these. And so just basically kind of started going from there, you know? Um, and, uh, I can't remember exactly how long it was, but basically just started formulating the ideas of what we want this business to be. We tried to, we'd read enough books. We knew it was really important to kind of nail down our, our mission statement and mm-hmm. um, what we believed in and, and really our goals for the future. And, um, but yeah, it was kind of a kind of pushed into it. We wanted to, but you know, you kind of get to the point where you just have to make a decision and go for it. Yeah, no, definitely. And, and it seems like you guys made, the right decision and a lot of the right decisions consecutively thereafter uh, because things have gone, I I mean, even from just the outside looking in um, and I'm sure there's probably been a couple failures. I think any successful, any successful venture has failures, but 
Uh, I know like when I first saw the the light caps and I forget whose post, I, it might've been like a Josh Lowry post or something. And he had one on, I was like, huh, that's, it's kind of weird. What is that? You know, and start, di- you know, do you do the digging on Instagram? You're like, oh, okay, cool. And that's how I found you guys the first time. And I'm like, well, that's, that's actually really neat because I, one of the things I hate about like improvised light caps um, is just that they never seem to work the way I wanted to, like, you know, I'll just repurpose this bikini cover for my red dot. Yeah. Never worked the way I wanted to. Uh, oh, you can get a, a spring loaded one that flips up and I'm like, okay, cool. But then I, you don't want to pay 70, 80 bucks for it. Um, and it, you, it only ever fit, you know, like two brands of lights and it's all these kinds of issues. And I'm like, well, this is like, this is like a one size fits all. I mean, there's three, but you get the meaning, right? Like it's, it's, yeah, they're, they're designed pretty, you know, universally. Um, and I was like, wow, this is actually a really freaking sweet idea. Like who must be somebody pretty smart that thought of this. And then <laughs> I think, you know, uh, shortly thereafter, you guys started, you rolled out the, I think the first generation of scope caps, I mm-hmm. think. Um, so, I mean, what was there like a, a reason that the light cap came first or was it just like, the funny thing is when, when we first started, I thought our sling hook was going to be the big thing. Like I said, I was like rocking every day. And um, basically the sling hook is a, a small device that attaches to your pack straps or ruck straps. And mm-hmm. when you're carrying a rifle on a sling and you're wearing a ruck, the sling can't properly go over your back, uh, which is like a comfortable way to carry the rifle to distribute that load across your body. And so the sling hook just attaches to your pack straps and allows you to kind of hook uh, the sling around it and it directs all that force down through your pack straps, which are intended to carry the weight. Um, and so for me, I was like, oh man, this thing is a game changer. And I thought that was going to be our, our flagship thing. And, um, you know, you said made a couple uh, smart decisions. And I, I think maybe we try to to be wise and educated and, you know, uh, work off the best data possible. But so many things, it's just kind of like, uh, I guess I would say lucky or blessed, you know, kind of stumbling into success, that kind of thing. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so I loved our light caps, but I definitely thought our sling hook was going to be the big thing. Um, and uh, yeah, it was, I think it mostly just came out of the light cap came out of just uh, testing our gear. And um, also I think grand thumbs recce video was really influential in that. Yeah. Uh, he had yep. mentioned, I think he had a bikini cover on his and I was like, surely there's gotta be a better solution than that. Um, and when you yeah. think about it, go ahead. I mean, no, I mean, you just, I've seen some just awful, I mean, it's like, you know, 50 mile an hour tape and, and a bikini cover that's like cut up or I've seen some really just jacked stuff. I mean, if it works, it works, but like, I mean, does it really work? Yeah. And the important thing is that the inspiration is there, right? Everything starts. I mean, and a lot of times when I prototype, I literally start with like paper and tape and staples and put something together to get the general shape. And then I'll hop into a CAD program and start drawing that kind of thing. Um, but a lot of the products that we see today started off with somebody who had the basic tools of duct tape and cardboard and uh, you know, whatever they had on hand, and, you yeah. know, make it into something. Um, yeah. They didn't have uh, 3d printers and, and, and all the stuff that we have today. I mean, maybe they did probably not though. For sure. Uh, rapid prototyping is like, uh, I mean, we all talk about how big 3D printing is, but I think we're even just now starting to see how uh, influential it is for especially people like us, small businesses, um, because it takes the R&D costs uh, down dramatically and allows you know individuals to create 
fantastic products uh, at a fraction of the cost that massive companies do. I'm a big believer in, uh, you know, additive manufacturing and just rapid manufacturing uh, technologies. Um, and yeah, obviously I mean, you've seen how they've helped us uh, be able to build really good products and then bring them to market, you know? Yeah. it's a, I mean, I can only imagine with like, again, going back to the scope caps and the light caps uh, as an example with the different uh, sizes of the light heads around the market. Cause there isn't, you know, it's not like there's a standard, like there is for, you know, a certain caliber, you know, barrel or something, right. Where yeah. for obvious reasons, it has to be the same size. So light heads are different. Uh, scope lenses are different depending on magnification, depending on, you know, brands and things. So I can only imagine how many different prototypes of things you guys have gone through. You're like, Nope, that was wasted. Throw that one out. Or, do you keep them? Do you like frame them, have like a, a pile or something you're going to commemorate later in life? I do keep a fair amount of our prototypes. Um, and especially like I have the original light cap that I, F, the FDM print that I ran on my gun for, I think like six months before launch and it still held up. It ran really well. Um, and I was like, this one, we need to keep this prototype, you know? Um, yeah. It's also just funny to see like some of the products, some of the ones we haven't even launched yet. Um, to see that first iteration and just how bad it is and then the consecutive generations, how the much they improve into the final concept, you know? Is there like a, so with like the, from the prototyping to like the, uh, the two market version, right? Your final, is there like a, an average, you've been able to figure out like how many different versions do you end up going through? It changes. And especially for like, um, it's, it's, I, I do keep track of version, uh, iterations you know how many we've gone through and so some of them like our sling hook actually uh, which we're in the process of um of improving we've been trying to do that a lot recently some of our products you see they're out of stock we're actually intentionally taking them off the website so that we can improve them and uh basically have a better version available um anyway but the uh the sling hook is like on version 4.01 so or 4.04 i think so I try to do, uh, you know, I start off with 1.01. I used to just do 1.1, but I add that zero because sometimes, you know, your sub category gets into like the yeah. 12s and 20s and things like that. Um, but I would say the average is probably like 12 iterations, you know, something Damn. like that. And yeah. it, that doesn't sound like much. And I should say 12 iterations. That's usually 12 iterations of MJF prototyping. So actually getting them made by the manufacturer. Because with an FDM printer, a lot of times I'll just have the same file with the same name and I'll just tweak it for like, you know, mm -hmm. a couple of weeks until I get it like close and then we'll ship it off to be actually made, you know? Yeah. No. So, I mean, you're, it's probably, it's to that point that probably hard to measure, like how many different versions might go into it if you're not tracking that kind of stuff, which I mean, why, I mean, some people would say, well, you would have to, to measure some kind of productivity in the corporate. I don't know. People that are, you know, <laughs> it's more so it's more so if you make a change, it's good to go back. Maybe the last one worked better and you can go back and reference it and see what did I do differently? Um, so I That's keep all point. of those files, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's something that I think, you know, when you're, when people look at these products, uh, and because that was something that I got uh, feedback on, when I originally, you know, got a light cap and some people were like, well, it's just like, uh, what is this? A plastic cap, whatever. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, well it, it actually works pretty damn well. And it's not just a, you know, a, a plastic cap. Like, yes, 
you, I mean, you could look at it and say that, but it, it fits well. It functions well. The, the Ranger band and the elastic cord idea, like it, it works better mm-hmm. than whatever it is. Like if you have something else that works for you, that's fine. But how long is it going to work for? I mean, there's a, again, go back to like, cause it seems like bikini covers are always the thing <laughs> people reach out to, you know, and they want to say that this, this is just as good. It's really not, it's not tested over time. It's not designed for that purpose. It's, it's not, you know, uh, it was never dreamt up or imagined to be deployed in that way. So how many of those are you going to go through in the lifespan of one of these light caps? That's a more durable material. That's going to actually protect, you know, the lens of your light from a decent impact, you know, and a lot of people look down on the shock cord and the ranger band, Mm -hmm. um, but, and I can understand that, you know, they think, oh, well, I, I can buy shock cord and ranger band and put something together. Um, but actually the, the beauty of the light cap is it's simplicity. I'm, I'm a big believer in simple designs. Um, and that's particularly so like, uh, you know, we tried Butler Creek caps for light caps, um, and they broke and when they broke, they broke irreparably. Um, and you know, we tried bikini covers and bikini covers were fine, but they didn't offer the speed that we really wanted. And, uh, rubber just tends to break down over time. You know, you start to get dry rotting. And so they do have a limited yeah. shelf life. And the beauty of the light cap is yes, shock cord and elastic, uh, you know, the ranger band, it does wear down over time, but they are common components that anybody can source. And so with that, it's field repairable. So if you ever have it break, or if it just over time isn't functioning properly, you can just buy the the components that honestly, most tactical quote, you know, tactical guys or you know, guys in this community um, have those items around. And so it's field yeah. repairable uh, instead of, so when it breaks, you can fix it, that kind of thing. Well, and you guys even, you guys even ship these with uh, the two colors of, uh, of uh, elastic or shock cord or whatever. So you could just like, since everybody's uh, pistol grip on their AR these days uh, has a like storage cell in the handle, yeah. just hold up and stick it in there or something. And if it breaks, then switch to the other color, like, Okay, there you go. Like, not a big yeah. deal. It, it works. Um, the only problem is getting that stupid Ranger band over the cap. And <laughs> I don't. I don't even. I don't have any problem saying it. I struggle every time I go to yeah. put one of those on. I'm like, man, I'm glad I don't take a video of this because this is like, <laughs> this is so bad. So some something you can do to make that easier is putting the Ranger band on first and then feeding the shock cord through. Um, which is easy if you've got like a set of needle nose pliers or something. And I've mm-hmm. thought about, we've thought about doing um, setup videos like that. We might do them where we show both. The only thing is not everybody has like needle nose pliers like that. And I like to try to make things that like, so it's that anybody can do it. And then we've also yeah. talked about just going to um, larger or less uh, like a range of bands with a uh, less elasticity, less strength, that kind of thing. Um, but then it doesn't kind of, I like that the current dimension really locks the, the ranger is rather the shock cord in place because yeah. that allows you to set the light cap. Um, a, lot, a lot of people don't realize um, with the tension of that ranger band, you can pull the shock cord back and forth and it'll hold it in place, which allows you to set the tension um, to do things like um, you can uh, make sure it doesn't rattle when you pop it off of the head. Um, and also just so that it's not too much force required to pop it off of the head, that kind of thing. Yeah. There's adjustability there for sure. And personal preferences being what they are, you know, some people for whatever reason, I'm sure want it looser or something. I can't imagine what that might be, but to each his own, yeah. you know? So, uh, I, I mean, it is, it is a pain in the butt, but once you get it on there, 
you know, I, I've never, I've been playing with Ranger bands for a couple of years now. I've never had one in any capacity really like snap or break. I usually have to cut mm-hmm. them off. Um, so in, in terms of when you're going to wear this out, it's, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's probably going to be a little while. A you long know? time. So, yeah. And a lot of people ask about the heat resistance. Um, and we've shot, uh, ours like, so we, I run a lot of, uh, the T-Rex arms light bars. So I put my light out way out front. Mm-hmm. Um, so usually my light head is, uh, right near the base or midway through like where my suppressor is. And, um, I need to find that I've got a picture of a training night we did under night vision where, um, my, my suppressor was glowing visibly, but under night vision, it looks like, like, a like a flashlight. It's, it's crazy how bright it is, you know, and ran the, uh, the light right there next to it for like a three hour training session, getting repeatedly that hot. And we've never had a Ranger brand or shock cord melt. So, um, the components are definitely durable enough for things like that. Yeah. And I've, uh, I've ran mine, um, same thing on a T-Rex light bar, um, taking the suppressor off. Now I have, <clears throat> I have blown the light cap off of the light. Mm-hmm. So it's dangling there. And again, that's just, you, you have to adjust the tension a little bit and then also kind of understand that like, if you put it right next to the muzzle brake or the flash hider like there's only so much the elastic cord is going to do but yeah. no, no issues with it uh I, I think it's i mean like you said a very simple design that works really really effectively um i don't understand i i, I mean why people kind of feel like you need something mechanically based um spring-loaded with a hinge or, or something you know what i mean like more yeah. bulk to it and it's like well but like you said, like the Butler Creek ones, which I think are their scope caps are kind of like a standard on the market for like they are. hunters, I think. Um, and they're good if you deploy them in uses that your standard hunter does. So when you go out, you know, seven or eight times a year and you only flip those things open and closed, you know, uh, is that 16 times then? And yeah, you know, and fine. Um, but I've had those break, you know, and that little spring gets bent or pops out or anything like you're not. Like, forget it. You just go buy a yeah. new one. It's not going to go. And another thing with the, the Butler Creeks, and we're not dissing Butler Creeks. We think they're great. Uh, we just, for, they're great for their target audience and for the kind of people that, you know, we are, um, we are selling to, they need something that's a bit more durable. And I would say also low profile. Um, Cause like we went to uh, an airsoft game, a Milsim game, uh, Black Site 2 last year. And there's a couple of times, you know, where we had to like crawl through the woods or, um, you know, there's like a, people started shooting over this berm. And so we had to like dive into the bushes and things like that. And, uh, the low, the light cap just sits much more low profile than the Butler Creek. So it's much less of a snag hazard. Um, and if it does get caught, it's just going to pull on the shock cord. Um, so that's another benefit too, is a lot of people would have the, uh, Butler Creeks fall off of the light and just by the nature of our light caps and our scope caps, they're all dummy corded by default. So you're not going to lose mm-hmm. it if you do get it caught on something. So is the, since you brought it up, is the, is like the mill sim stuff, is that something you guys do use or utilized to do like product testing? Do you run a lot of your ideas uh, or prototypes or, or whatever uh, kind of around those events, just because it is a really, uh, it, it is a really good way to get repetitive uses and situational use out of some of these things. We um, would love to play more Milsim, um, but haven't been able to as much in recent years. Uh, but definitely testing in, I'd say, uh, simulated environments, you know, whether that's just um, training, you know, even just on the flat range can be uh, somewhat 
of a testing environment, um, but also getting out and um, moving in, I would say like rural environments, things like that. And that's where a lot of our products are really meant to shine um, and, or rather not shine. <laughs> right. Right. No, and I, dude, I, I picked up a pack scrim um, and a helmet scrim. And I, like, I, I posted about this the other day, honestly, like I didn't want, I, I used to never like scrim. I thought it looked dorky. I thought it looked, yeah. I was like, Nope, I don't want any part of it. It looks stupid. Uh, and then when I was hanging out with one of my buddies, uh, we were going out to go shoot. Um, and he has one of your guys, uh, Arctic scrims on his pack. And he like literally walked like three feet into some like brush. Right. And sets his bag down and walks away. And he's like, Hey, you want to take a picture of that? And we would like, I couldn't even find his bag. <laughs> like, all right, point taken. Like I'm just a dumbass. And then I'm like, all right, I need to get some of this stuff because it, it works. It doesn't. Yeah. And that's, that's like the, again, that's like the, the ignorance that I have about some of these things. It's like, yeah, when it look, when it's on like a helmet, right. Or a backpack sitting on your dining room table. Yeah. Or you're walking like down the middle of the street or something, but yeah, then it looks stupid and weird. But if you put it in the context, which it's designed to work all of a sudden, like now you just sound like, I, I, I just sound like an idiot. <laughs> and you're you're right it does look dorky like especially like you said in uh urban environments i remember seeing uh you know guys wearing like a traditional like i would say a modern scrim because if you look at older scrim it's kind of different like you said kind of back in the day um mm-hmm. but uh it does look kind of dorky when i wear my, my primary like i have one nice set of hearing protection and it lives on my helmet so when we go to the range i look like big bird the only one out there with you know a fuzzy head <laughs> yeah um uh but yeah like you said the effectiveness uh i think when you when you prioritize being effective especially in your camouflage you just uh you kind of uh just have to deal with some of that stuff you know like it does definitely you can look kind of like you're trying too hard when you start putting on um face paint and stuff like that but mm-hmm. uh in all of my testing uh, like with a lot of our products, I'll go out and like take pictures of ourselves uh, using it in the field to kind of to kind of see what it looks like, um, not only in the visible spectrum but also in IR to make sure everything is in IR compliant. Um, and uh, like that's one of the big things in every picture. If you don't have face paint or at least some type of face covering, that and your hands, um, they are very conspicuous, uh, especially when you're wearing camouflage and almost highlights them. Yeah. Well, yeah, because it's just such a drastic, like, <laughs> you're talking, you know, flesh tone versus, I don't know, multicam tropic. Yeah, it's it's such a drastic uh, departure from one to the other. Um, and and to that point, so I and I wanted to ask because uh, you guys just released a couple of weeks ago, I think, the multicam tropic for the scrims that you have. Mm-hmm. You guys get a lot of requests for goofy ass camouflage. People think is like going to be better than what you offer, like you should have AOR one because, you know, fill in the blank reasons or something. And it's like, yeah, that's, I mean, I get it. Every camouflage has a application, but is it really going to make sense? Yeah. And we do get some, some funny ones. Uh, and I think a lot of people don't realize like how much material uh, availability is a constraint with that, you know? Um, oh yeah. Uh, Supply chain I, I issues right now are still just much, awful. But um M81 is one of our highest uh, requested, and I think we'll be able to support that pretty soon. Um, and the funny thing is, I don't really love M81. Uh, I don't either. I hate it's M81. A, it's, a very, <laughs> it's a very controversial camouflage. I will say, 
I'm I'm kind of like a I do really enjoy camouflage. Like I'm the guy that there's a YouTube channel called Uniform History where he talks about like the history of the patterns and I enjoy watching those and I kind of have a set of everything that I've, you know, accumulated over the years. Um and so, you know, I would love to have some in different ones, but like uh, like AOR2 is very effective in our area and a lot of people don't realize um it's that's going away. It's changing, but it was a restricted camouflage pattern. And uh, it, it's like five times the cost of like licensed multicam. And so to offer a scrim in it, like you'd have to be uh, marked up quite a bit, you know? Um, yeah. And then people get pissed and like, well, well I'm not going to buy that. Screw you. Gouge <laughs> us. And it's like, dude, we're not gouging anything. You just don't understand. Yeah. It's not, it's not, is it, it's, it's, you know, and we had uh, Kurt Little from from Ralph Camo on on last week, and and yeah. talking about these like patterns and the materials and stuff. Like people don't realize, like it costs hundreds of dollars for these just the roll of fabric before we do anything to it. Mm-hmm. Like, and then I mean, you got to cover your time, you got to cover your overhead. Like, it is a business. I think, my opinion, you know, and people will probably make fun of me for this. I think what you guys charge is completely reasonable for what you get. I yeah. think it's completely reasonable. Um, especially people realize like you have to pay a licensing fee to use some like, like multicam, mm-hmm. right? There's a licensing fee there. It's not just like, oh, I'll just download a friggin' file off the internet and here we go. whoop de doo Yeah. Yeah. And um, on the multicam, we kind of, um, standardization is like a funny topic where we all have this hope that, you know, the, the quote modern American Minuteman or whatever can, have a standardized kit and all that. And I just don't think it'll ever happen, especially when you look at like um, just like the ideal camouflage for your region is not necessarily going to be the same, like oh, it's uh, so different 50 across miles the West, you know? Yeah. Um, and uh, so like when I did, you know, testing in, you know, central Tennessee, uh, we tested, you know, pretty much the gamut of patterns. Um, they were one and two, uh, I should say we did testing in the summer and the winter. Um, so AR one and two multicam arid and tropic and regular multicam, um, ATAX FGX, um, as well as the, I think it's IX is the kind of arid version. Um, okay. you know, M81, obviously UCP, because why not? You've got a set of them laying around, even if, uh, you know, the grandma's couch camo. Um, yeah. anyway, we found like in our region, like the FGX worked fantastic in the summertime and actually better, than all the others, uh, but it's, you know, not an American pattern. It's kind of hard to get things in. And then the same thing for like the AOR2, I think it works better than Multicam Tropic in a lot of environments, but it's if more difficult to get. You can find more stuff surplus these days. And as the Navy moves to MARPAT, um, I'm hoping that, that maybe civilian uh, printing companies can actually make that pattern available, you know? So maybe we'll start seeing AOR2 become like Oh, I didn't realize that they couldn't even get a hold of that one right now. You can, but it's like, um, you have to buy like the kind of spool that fell off the back of a truck is my understanding. (laughs) Like, or they'll, the Navy will like request a run and they'll have like two surplus rolls that it'll get sold off and then cut into like sections and sold off to like Gucci, uh, gear makers, you know what oh, I'm saying? Jesus. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But from what I understand, the Navy is moving from uh, the AR one and two back to Marpat and just having Marpat and Desert Marpat as their patterns, which is honestly like Marpat is one of those funny ones that actually works really well, um, but it's just not cool. Uh, like 
Uh, I think yeah, Jennifer's origins it. on Instagram, he, he made a good point for like, if you have a, a good fitting cut of it and you're fit, like, yeah, you can look cool, but it's kind of like M81. M81 looks really cool on like Marsoc Raiders, but most people think of M81 and they think of like their overweight cousin who plays airsoft. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, and that's, I, I, that's, I think, unfortunately, that's like the, the correlation you get with Mo, like when stuff gets to a certain level of popularity, because it's like, I don't know, it's in your favorite TV show or your favorite seal wears it or something. And then <clears throat> given enough time, it goes from being super cool to being the lamest thing out there just because it's all like, you know, chunky guys like me that are out there playing airsoft on the weekends and stuff in it. I mean, what are you going to do? It's just yeah. how it goes sometimes. Uh, well, I so, think I got off track. I was trying to answer your question there, but basically just saying for now, we're trying to stick to the patterns that we personally use, which is the multicam yeah. family. Um, and that's mostly just because of the availability and it does work from our testing, you know, better than a lot of options. Um, and frankly, just we're a small company. We can't stock every uh, yeah. camouflage pattern. So we're sticking with, we cool. know what works. Yeah, people need to realize that for one, but for two, realize I think uh I think there is more flexibility in the application of if you had to pick like I don't know, three camouflage patterns, say M81, Multicam and Multicam Tropic, whatever. The effectiveness of those patterns is actually I think probably a lot greater than what people realize if they know how to properly like apply it. Um, you know, maybe you got to get out a little bit of spray paint or something. If you're in like a very desert area, maybe, you know, uh, multi-cam works for 90% of the time, it'll get you pretty close. Uh, but I think people, man, they want to get so finicky about some of this stuff. And it's like, why don't you go try it? Like go actually out there in context, go hide and try to have somebody come look for you. Like seriously. And if you're sticking out like a sore thumb, then fine. But I think in a lot of instances, you'll find like, a, the camouflage works better than you want to give it credit for. But B, a lot of people are just not as observant as you would think they would be uh, out in in the woods and things. Or even if you just if you want to learn more about camouflage, go to YouTube and look up Brent zero three three one. Have you seen his camouflage videos? I have not. Okay, so like they are so educational. Basically, he has playlists with pretty much any camouflage pattern you can think of from modern patterns all the way back to like he'll find obscure like asian camouflage patterns i don't know where he gets them from um but he the way he does it is he sets up a camera in the woods uh and around his area i think he lives in texas and he does this both in the summertime and the winter to kind of show you the different um you know colors um that kind of thing and he'll go and hide somewhere using good camouflage technique and he'll have like a five second clip where uh, you're just looking at what appears to be nature and you're trying to find him kind of like, where's Waldo, you know, and mm-hmm. then he'll stand up and you go, Oh, that's where he was. And you start walking. But what you realize about that, uh, especially, is, you know, I don't know if you've ever heard of the, the seven um, S's of camouflage. Um, the, one of the last ones is speed, um, which can basically go, says, let's just, can we go through all seven of those? Cause I, we hit this last time and I thought it was really cool that, that actually for some reason, number four was sticking in my head. So clearly um, I did not retain as much information as I should have, but 
Um, can we go through that? Yeah, like for those, sure. I think last time it was like the principles or something, but uh, seven S's, because I think people say camouflage, right? And they just think about what we just talked about, like grandpa's M81 yeah. and then <laughs> stop. That is it. Yeah. But you don't realize that like technically a light cap is camouflage because it reduces. Yes. You know what I mean? 100%. So how does, so where do we start with those? <laughs> so I'm actually going to start at the end and then I'll, I'll go back to the front and start there again. Yeah. But basically on that, um, camouflage is fantastic when you're stationary. So as soon as you start moving, our brains, um, they are just hardwired to recognize when something is moving around stationary objects and that relative motion. And so sound uh, or rather speed, the last one um, kind of talks about, uh, basically says, you know, slower moving objects. That's why snipers in the field can still move, but they just move at like an inch a minute, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you don't notice it because it's so gradual. Um, but basically the faster you move, the more you move, the more visible you are. And so um, it's important to remember that camouflage works, but pretty much only if you're stationary or moving incredibly slowly. And it works best when you are using the vegetation and objects around you uh, to maximize its effectiveness. Um, so if there's a bush, like get behind the bush, you know, it's, that's pretty simple. Right. <laughs> um, all right. So the first one is silhouette. Um, and so particularly a lot of people talk about uh, the silhouettes of, of firearms um, as well as humans. And uh, that's just because we're trained to, you know, subconsciously trained to really recognize those. Uh, if you ever seen like the targets where it's like the human silhouette with the shoulders and the head, that kind of thing. Yep, definitely. Um, even if you can't visibly see, um, what do you call it? You know, like colors, say it's a dead of night and you just see the silhouette of a head like that, you know, your brain will just send off signals. Like, oh, wow. That's what that is. Um, and so bringing up that silhouette, that's why people wear things like the, the I think they're called like Viper hoods, the ghillie mesh yeah, so hood the, things. Yeah. Just the, the head part or head and shoulders of a ghillie suit. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why, you know, obviously snipers also wear full ghillie suits. That's why people, uh, that's why we sell the, the camo form on our site, because it's a really good thing to wrap up um, features like, you know, your scope has, and your rifle has a very, you know, um, significant, or I'd say unique shape, you know, or the mm-hmm. A2 flash hider of your gun is a very, you know, you know, prevalent shape that people have come to recognize is anywhere you can break that up, um, that silhouette, uh, you can improve your camouflage. And the biggest, the second one is shine, which I think is honestly one of the biggest overlooked ones. Um, and that's kind of where the light cap comes from. But um, basically anything that has a surface, a smooth surface can be reflective. And so it doesn't have to just be glass or uh, literally like, you know, reflectors like we have in our weapon lights. Um, but even, you know, the buckles on your gear, um, your skin, you know, as your oils build up on your skin, it can develop a sheen that can reflect. Um and it's not even just about like reflecting a beam of light so much as it is if it catches the light differently than the objects and vegetation around you. Yeah. So um, with the light cap, I'm just, you know, a little plug here for a minute. The, you know, scope caps, or rather I should say uh, scopes, they've had kill flashes for years um, to mitigate the reflection off of the lens of the scope. Um, and even us, we're coming out with our, our hex caps soon to offer that same technology to underserved red dots on the market. Um, but weapon mounted lights have become very popular in recent years and there wasn't uh, a solution to mitigate the literal reflector on the front of your gun. Um, and so that, 
you know, we have this somewhat reflective surface of the lens of your scope, but then a literal thing that's literally named reflector, we put it on the front of our gun, you know? And so, mm-hmm. uh, like, you know, I kind of went into the light cap and how we came to that. Um, but that's, that was actually the primary impetus for the light cap was uh, mitigating that reflection. And then, you know, there's obviously other benefits of um, protection for negligent discharges of your weapon light, um, as well as some people use them for uh, keeping carbon off of their the lens of their light. So basically keep it clean when they're shooting without a suppressor. Yeah. Um, so there's that shine. And, and other ways we do that is we'll put, even like on the butt stocks of our gun, we'll wrap those in camo form or put like a cloth gaffer's tape to keep that reflection down where some people will use camo like face paint and paint that on shiny surfaces to, to cut down on that. Um, the third one is shadow. And basically that, uh, just says, always consider your shadow. Like, um, you can be blending in really well. Um, but if you're casting, you know, a 30 foot shadow that can be seen, um, then that's a problem. A big point of, or a big place I've seen this become an issue is, um, under night vision guys, especially under night vision, start to think that they are, you know, I'm invincible. Nobody can see yeah, me. That false confidence. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, even like, you know, on a moonlit night, uh, we were doing some training in, uh, over in Memphis and uh, Trey Rosenbaum was a guy, I think, who first pointed this out to me. Um, but we, we had somebody go hide in the shadow of a tree. Um, and then, but they took like one step back and the moon cast like this huge shadow across the ground. And uh, anyway, so shadow is definitely important, not just for snipers, you know. Um, and then shape, uh, I think that kind of tends to be like, like especially with like ghillie suits. Um, mm-hmm. So say you, I mean, you're wearing like a leafy ghillie suit or, uh, you know, I think you've seen those where it's like, looks like leaves, that kind of thing. But you're yeah. sitting in the middle of a grassy field, like you're obviously out of place. And that's kind of just <laughs> keeping keeping your your vegetation type and your camouflage type appropriate. And that's where things like, you know, even the scrim uh, might come into play. Say you keep one in your pack. And if you're moving from a wooded environment to more of like a, a grassy environment, or even just from like young young growth forest, which tends to be more green and grassy to an old growth forest where you have, um, you know, deep uh, browns and things like that. Uh, Basically making sure you're not uh, carrying over those different vegetation types or even camouflage types in those environments. Yeah. Um, And those go ahead. Straight lines don't naturally occur (laughs) almost anywhere in nature. We're saying something like people, dismiss that so when they go to try and you know build shelter or i mean anything right like it it cannot be a straight line that's it it sticks out nothing in nature is absolutely straight nothing yeah and i would say my only caveat to that is like think about like tree trunks are pretty darn straight but they're vertical um right and so things that are vertical and straight tend to be fine and also you know the horizon is flat that's typically pretty fine but the things that really pique our interest are diagonals. Um, and when you think about that, you have, uh, think about someone walking, you know, the Bigfoot video, right? Where Bigfoot's walking and he's swinging his arms and he, yeah. he basically, you make a frame after a frame, that kind of thing. Uh, those diagonals in particular really draw your eye. Um, and so uh, like there can be straight lines, but keeping them more vertical or horizontal tends to, to help. And that goes not only just into how you paint and, 
and camouflage your gear, but actually to how you move to the environment. And that's why, you know, this seven S's of camouflage, like you said earlier, it's more than just what you wear. It's how mm -hmm. you actually interact or with the world around you and how you move. <laughs> yeah, so, absolutely. Um, I'll go through these last three because they're pretty kind of obvious. So the five is shade. Um, that's colors. It's kind of like I talked about like old growth versus new growth that has the shape component, but also multicam tropic probably isn't going to work in your pine forest that well. Um, uh, and so basically just, if you have the ability, manage your color, your colorways, basically. Mm -hmm. um, the sixth one is sound. Um, and actually, I think this one is really interesting because it can be anything from your, your, your gunshots and things like that. You know, like suppressors can actually, you know, at distance, um, like you may still hear a gunshot, uh, but it might not raise alarms, things like that. And all the way down to like the click of your radio. Um, so like we talked about Milsim a little bit earlier um, and we did a game uh, of the, the black site where we were at night um, and basically like crawling along the side of this road, trying to get to an objective, to a flag, to take it. And when you're doing that, just the very act of crawling, is like incredibly loud. And also you, you lose the ability to really hear the fine noises around you. Um, but even activating your radio, the slightest little button click is like, <laughs> It's like, it's, it yeah, feels it, it so loud. Out. Yeah. Just because it's everything around you so much, especially at night, right. Where, where animals are less active, the people that you're, your opposition force or even your own team, right. Everyone's just less active. Everything just pops that mm -hmm. much more. And it's it. And as somebody who lives <clears throat> uh, in, in, I'll say an urban area, like I, it's not really like a city city, but it's, it's an urban area. And you go, you know, I'll go to like Northern Michigan, uh, you know, with my buddy and stuff. And it, it is like noticeably quieter, just mm -hmm. like almost like that, like eerie quiet that you, I mean, I'm just not used to. Yeah. So, I mean, and it's fine. There's no reason to feel like alarmed or elevated or anything, but just because it is so much quieter and it, yeah, like my, I almost get like, I, I, I have to adjust to it. Like my skin starts to crawl because I'm like, okay, this is weird. Yeah. It comes about to happen, you know? And it's funny if you also, if you look at nature, um, that kind of biomimicry aspect, um, the, in that situation, you know, you are in a way the predator. And if you look at nocturnal predators, um, all of them, one of their greatest assets is that they're just so quiet. Um, like if you look at, uh, there's a, there's like a YouTube video I've seen of, um, they had like a red tail hawk that, uh, flew across a set of microphones and you hear this flap, 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 you know, until it lands on its perch. And they do the same thing with, I think it was a barn owl. And it's just this silent flying across or um, I was out coyote hunting one night and uh, had the privilege of seeing a fox like right at twilight. And uh, if I hadn't seen it, I would have never known it was there because through like a, like a forest where there's leaves all on the ground. When I walked, it was like crunch, 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 you know, you can mm -hmm. hear every step. Um, and it, this fox just glided, you know, um, like, I don't know, it was almost magical. It was incredible. And I couldn't hear it at all. And so, uh, especially at night, um, sound and being able to control it, uh, is really important to be that, you know, that predator kind of thing. Um, and it's another point to that is, uh, if you read the B52 manual, one of the things they, recommend is before each outing they recommend you jump up and down in your kit because 
you'll find things that slosh around or, or click together and making sure that when you're moving, even your, your gear itself doesn't give you away. Well, and it's, and it's huge to point all of this out because I feel like when we get to a certain point with, uh, gear, uh, specifically night vision, right? Like we were saying earlier that like false sense of confidence, um, or, but it can be, it, it really can be any amount of gear and equipment, right? Like, oh, I got this great backpack. I have, you know, uh, like the cloud rain 3.0, it's brighter than the freaking sun. And <laughs> I, have this, I have all this capability, right? But then it's something so it's not, it's not trivial, but, but so simple as just to think about how much noise you make and, and it doesn't have to be, you know, and bringing your gun up, it doesn't have to be in anything in particular other, I mean, just moving, you know, if, if you make a bunch of noise, just lifting your arm up to, you know, or moving, you know, just to scratch your butt or something like basic, basic stuff, all of a sudden it, 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 you put it in, in the context of understanding how to hide yourself and everything. That's, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping people listening to this are like, wow, I need to rethink some things. Cause how many of us listening to this right now have really great chest rigs that are covered in giant panels of Velcro that make <laughs> so much noise when you open them. I, like I know mine do, I, I need to do something about it, but it's huge. Yeah. And I think it's, I'm, I'm especially have to be careful not to become uh, complacent with that and think that, you know, gear will make up for my skill set. Um, I mean, I don't know everything. I'm just a normal dude who tries to, uh, to try to learn any, everything I can. Um, but I will say this is one of the subjects where I've tried to really study and become proficient, you know, and okay. I would say even, even our product line, um, maybe it's just out of, out of my knowledge, you know, like as far as that's, that's one of the only things I really know, uh, very well, but, um, tried to focus on things that help people improve their camouflage. Um, and, you know, almost in a holistic way for your gear and for your rifle and, uh, you know, even for yourself, hopefully in the future. Well, and I think that makes a lot of sense. You know, uh, if you look at just, uh, like if you look at two things, one, the progression of where the two, eight community has come in probably mm-hmm. also the last seven, eight years. Right. Um, and I'll, I'll credit Lucas at T-Rex with bringing a lot of attention and a lot mm-hmm. of people to the community and flat range shooting is awesome. It's a yeah. lot of fun. People love it. That's what they, that's what a lot of people, myself included, got really hooked on firearms. And it's like your, it's like your gateway drug, you know, into, yeah. uh, into all of this. Um, and in addition to that, you seeing the, the, over the past probably 50 years, right? The, the gradual and consistent decline in hunters in our country. So there's less understanding of how camouflage works or, I mean, cause if there's any, if there's any creature out there that understands camouflage and hunting and these concepts, it's the animals that live out in that environment. Mm-hmm. So if you're out there hunting, you obviously buy, you know, by, I mean, you, you figure that out. Hey, they know where I'm at. I need to change up what I'm wearing or I need to make less noise or whatever. As people hunt less, we have gradually, I think this, and this is my opinion. I mean, you guys can tell me, you think I'm full of shit. (laughs) There's less experience out there doing that. There's a, a less, uh, there's less of an understanding and that knowledge is being lost. Yeah. You know, like stuff your grandpa could teach you about how to move in the woods, trying to go hunt for deer or elk or pheasant or whatever. 
that that gets lost because now like well thanks granddad but i don't want to go hunting i'm i have an ipod what do i gonna go hunting for i'll just hit mcdonald's on the way home <laughs> no thanks you know what i mean so as people are are getting more and more involved in the 2a environment and starting on the flat range going huh i'll get into the woods you're not you don't have that information you don't have that knowledge you know and it's it's huge when you get away from urban open settings i think you hit the nail on the head there for sure and one of the one of the more popular uh debates is kind of like you know military versus civilian and when how do we work together and what roles do we play and i'm a big proponent of um like we should be absolutely working together i mean ultimately we're all uh you know americans and you know just we just happen to choose different career paths um and so i think you know civilians have a lot to learn from the military as far as um the structure that they have um and funny enough you know people think oh they'll learn from the military their shooting skills um Mm -hmm. But really a lot of, and that's where a lot of people say, honestly, I think you should be learning shooting skills from, you know, civilian, especially competitive shooters. And then you should be learning tactics and field craft and things like that from the military side. Um, But something you just, just kind of sparked an idea in my mind is uh, we talk about the different kind of levels of gun culture. I think um, Isaac Botkin kind of popularized this idea of um, like gun culture 1.0, 2.0. And I feel like a lot of hunters are still, in that kind of 1.0 space where it's like they shoot mostly with just like a bolt action 30 out six and this is grandpappies and it, it's worked ever since and right. you know, don't need to get anything new um but those guys those avid hunters um that use those tools i think we can learn a lot from them um so you know for all the guys in this community go find that guy who you know exclusively uses revolvers and bolt actions and ask him to take you hunting and learn from him you know yeah, there's there's a ton to be learned. You know, even uh the first I've I've been out a handful of times with a couple of friends that are huge hunters and just how to spot and like, oh, that's deer scat. I'm like, okay, well, great. So we went to the bathroom. <laughs> he went to the bathroom here, which means this, or look for, you know, like uh <clears throat> rubs on trees, you know, yeah. uh so elk have been here because they're trying to get the velvet off or whatever. And you start to pick up these little things and you start to look at your environment, even as foreign as like the, as truly the woods are for me, not like, Hey, there's a park and there's some trees and it's got some bushes and stuff like not those woods, but actual where you're walking miles and miles through woods and it starts to change. You start to see things just a little bit differently. And those are two, you know, possibly bad examples, but it, it, illustrates the point like you need to spend time doing it there is more than people realize i mean there's a lot more to this than just throwing on a ghillie suit and getting a pvs 14 and like well now you own the night (laughs) um i mean you got a pretty good step up but there's there's some other things and then you know the other half of the day where it's daytime and you can't use that night vision and everyone can see everything so you know having that knowledge is I would say extremely beneficial for sure. And I think that, you know, uh, what you guys are doing is, is part of whether people realize it or not is part of helping to address those issues. You know, like we, like we talked about the scrim, the caps, it all kind of feeds towards, you know, solving those, those issues that people don't think about, you know, the, the reflections, uh, off the scope. Like I, would never have thought about, like you said, you guys have the hex caps coming out. 
I would never have thought about it. Like you say it and I go, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. But I would not, I would not otherwise have sat there and been like, wow, this is a major concern that I really need to address. I yeah. just wouldn't have. And I really, I hope that as we come out with more of these products, um, you know, we are obviously marking the people who are a lot like us, people um, who are training to become proficient with firearms and, you know, training field craft skills uh, for the preservation of, of freedom and for liberty. Um, but there's a lot of people that aren't quite there yet. Those people that are kind of in the gun culture 1.0 and stuff. And so that's why I don't shy away from things like, uh, you know, yeah, it protects your, your lens from carbon and things like that. Or even, you know, we talk about white light negligent discharges. Uh, we're trying to exactly, it's hard for me to switch away from that terminology. Um, but I think we're trying to switch more to like um, accidental activations of your light. Uh, because that's something that if a hunter has a weapon light, they can really resonate with go, oh yeah, I wouldn't want the, the deer to see my weapon light, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and so trying to, uh, to share those things. And I hope that, I mean, the products themselves, um, the gun community is kind of, I said, the, the manufacturing community, you know, for firearms, accessories and components has kind of shied away from um, really what. Uh, what they're for, what their real intention is. And that's why you see, you know, BDC reticles that have pictures of deer, but were never intended to be used on deer and the scale is way off, you know, like it's obviously yeah. meant to size man, size targets. Um, but I hope that as we do that, it can also just um, help with that shift back to saying like, no, these firearms are for, um, are for taking the lives of tyrants and they are for preserving um, individual and uh, community liberty. And so think with even just things like the hex caps that, like you said, you know, most people would go, I've never thought of that. Well, maybe as we launch these things, um, as we share them, as they become popular, um, that, you know, people would see that and go, well, why would you actually want that? If it's, it's just supposed to, you know, keep people downrange from seeing you and they go, Oh, and they can start to open up that conversation and basically hoping mm -hmm. that with this, Honestly, I'm a struggle to keep up if we're in gun culture 3.0 or 4.0. <laughs> but as yeah. we step into that more, that we can, you know, um, unabashedly say, like, uh, you know, from our history, we've seen that um, we've had to, Americans have had to use force to defend their freedom. And uh, we're not uh, shying away from the fact that uh, we are the bulwark of liberty and uh, we're going to keep, keep uh, basically keeping up those skills and not shying away from that. I think that yeah, was kind of rambly, but hopefully it makes sense. It does. You know, we have to bridge that. We have to do better uh, as a community about bridging those gaps between, like you said, I mean, 1.0 and 2.0, or you can, people use the term FUDs and <laughs> shooters. In my mind, I like when people ask me like, oh, you're into shooting. Oh, do you hunt? I go, no. Uh, I, I try to, I struggle to find another way to describe myself than just to say tactical shooting. Because yeah. to me, the term FUD is super cringy and, it, and yeah. it's supposed to be, it's derogatory, right? In nature. But then when you say tactical shooting, that's also cringy because I hate that people like overuse and misuse the word tactical, but there needs to be that, that bridging of the gap that like bringing together of the community. Because if you look at the overall picture, there's like, we were just talking about, there's so much that we can learn from each other and that a lot of these different, you know, even products can can serve multiple uh, purposes and multiple uses. And, you know, Hey, maybe, maybe 
somebody on the the other side, you know, or whatever, can can develop a better way of doing things that we haven't thought of yet. You know, For I sure. mean, they have a different perspective uh, and, and vice versa. Like, hey, I'm not a hunter, but maybe I point something out to a hunter that makes sense. Or they look at me and go, well, what if you just did things this way with your rifle? Wouldn't that make, you know what I mean? Like just yeah. through collaboration and bringing people together with unique ideas and experiences is enough, I think, to to justify why we need to do more. But man, I, there's just so much infighting and just like stupid, stupid fighting over dumb stuff. Like in my mind, if people are happy, leave them be unless they're being unsafe. You know, yeah. and, and then, you know, obviously give them the hammer because <laughs> that's the last thing we need is more of those <laughs> kinds of problems out there in, in the community. But, but damn, I, I wish that we would do more to, to address that issue. I really do. I think it's the biggest problem we face today. Yeah. And I mean, like the, what is it? How do they say it? the house divided cannot stand? Um, yeah. hundred percent. Ultimately, uh, I think. Um, people are always going to find things to divide um, themselves into different groups. It's just the nature of people. We're very polarizing us human beings. Um, but if you can find a common goal to work towards, um, then that's unifying. And what is more uh, profound and what is more common than just personal liberty, you know? Yeah. And even in the context of how those people can help you, like you were saying in the defense of, liberty and and tyrants and things um there's i'm in the middle of reading a book right now uh fry the brain it's a a book about uh the urban sniping right yeah and and they even get into talking about a couple like pretty notable uh like the weatherby vanguard right hunting rifles that can be used for that application and i'm not advocating for anybody becoming an urban sniper but i am (laughs) highlighting that you know those i mean people in the hunting community are in most instances way better versed in bolt action platforms and taking shots at distances greater than 25 yards Mm -hmm. a lot of us in the tactical space are not mostly just due to the fact that the gun ranges don't go past 25 yards the indoor ones don't and a lot of the outdoor ranges maybe you get to 50 maybe at least here in michigan you know we were talking you know offline michigan sucks for training opportunities so maybe that's a unique problem to the mitten state but (laughs) there's there are things to be learned there um god what's the guy's name uh not Ken Hackathorn, but I know there's, there are civilians out there and you made the point earlier about, you know, competition shooters who have learned how to shoot out to distance and, and be effective with long distance platforms and things. Um, as well as obviously some of those guys out there with pistols and ARs and things, but these aren't guys that were Rangers or, uh, you know, uh, Raiders or anything like that. They were just civilian shooters who got really, really good at something and can now share that with, the rest of the community. So collaboration hundred percent, I think is needs to be like the focal point of what the community does moving forward. For sure. And, you know, like with that uh, building community, which we're still trying to figure out even how we do that. I mean, I think church is a really fantastic way, but it doesn't mean that everybody at your church is going to uh, um, going to want to come out and you know, do <laughs> night vision training with you and, <laughs> It'd be hey, sweet if they did backpacking but... with rifles and stuff, you know? Um, but yeah, I think consistent, uh, community, especially among, um, you know, younger men, uh, to not only train those skills together because so many of them, 
really require a group of guys to do this together, but also just uh, camaraderie um, and the benefits that um, being with other like-minded men have. Um, I watched a video of the day about how, uh, you know, we all heard that, you know, this is like the loneliest generation, but um, there was a statistic that the guy started the video with something about, uh, it was like 20 years ago, 95% of men, young men, like would say they would go to a close friend in a time of trouble. And that mm-hmm. number today is like 30%. Uh, and so I think it's important that we start uh, cultivating friendships, um, which can be hard, you know, meeting new people and, and building those. And really it takes awkward. work to invest. It oh yeah. Awkward. And we're so used to everything over the internet now, if you don't, you know, we're better communicators now via text message which says something because some people are still absolutely awful. (laughs) Yeah. But we're so used to just sending a message, sending an email or, you know, and I say this fully, you know, ridiculously as we're doing a, a call over, you know, uh, technology. Yes. This is how people have relationships now. And, but I will, I, I agree with you, you know, one of the, the most rewarding things that has come out of the last six or eight months is being able to pull together a group of guys that I talk to all the time. And, Mm. Uh, train with and and get to you know get to know and build relationships and friendships with and 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 it's it's rewarding and you know you actually go out to the range and you know hey look it, we just went four and a half hours and I I didn't check Facebook I didn't check Instagram I'm not looking at email and I'm I'm you know doing stuff with my friends and mm-hmm. interacting with other humans in a way that's I mean granted I I think you you can do obviously you can do stuff outside the two A community but any of it, any of it is, is good. If you're getting away from the screens and building those relationships and, you know, making that, that friend that you can go to when something really difficult happens, uh, you know, and and maybe shooting or this community, right. is the conduit to make that happen all the better, Mm. you know? Yeah. Um, And being that kind of friend that other people can come to when they need someone. Um, Exactly. That's uh, something we've been really challenged by recently. Um, something, so our motto is uh, do good, be dangerous, live free. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like I said, when we started a company, we really wanted to have something succinct that would guide us along the way that we could always reference and say, are we um, in line with these things? And um, let's, uh, so Trey Rosenbaum in particular, he's a friend of mine, really good friend, and um, has really uh, just challenged us this year not about anything you said, but just uh, sharing. They've been him and guys like John Hoffman at LARP Labs, you know, uh, you know, John really well, yep, uh, have been I doing do. all of the um, tornado pickup in their area and helping yeah. people uh, get the roads clear and, um, you know, get trees off their houses and now even just their driveways and things like that. And um, to, they're basically, you know, going out and being the hands of Christ and loving these people in their communities. And so, um, we're hoping to do some more things like that. And also just to be the kind of people that, um, you know, the people that we love, the people in our lives can come to us and, and, um, yeah, basically build those relationships. And then before you expect that of someone else, be that kind of person that people go, Oh, I know that I can go to Jonah and he will help me in my time of need. Yeah. And the first step is getting away from the damn internet because nobody on the internet is <laughs> mostly nobody, but man, you find some really mean people out there. Yeah, it's uh, it's easy to be mean when you're behind a screen, you know, not face to face. True, very true. And uh-huh. it's a lot easier to look at the uh, 
the is it the stone in someone else's eye or uh, the splinter in someone else's eye than the log in your own when you're just on <laughs> you can see yeah. it all in 4k on their instagram you can focus on that yeah it's such a crappy way to see people but uh but this has been great man uh it's always it's always good when when we get to connect i feel like uh, as busy as we both are we don't get to do it as much as as i would like but uh, I appreciate you making the time, you know, I'm so, well, so grateful that we get to work together, but, uh, it's really fun, honestly, yeah. watching, you know, everything you guys are are going through and, uh, the, the growth, the success, uh, just the, the fun stuff that's, that comes with it, the content, all of it. So, um, like I absolutely thank you for making the time, um, and, and joining me, um, Real quick, if our listeners don't know, where can they find you guys on on online? Uh, so you can go find us on our website, uh, www.100concepts.com. Uh, and also our Instagram, which is just 100concepts. Uh, just no spaces, no underscores, all uh, lowercase. Um, those are the two places. And then we also have a YouTube page, but that's mostly a repository for um, more of the tutorials we'll be doing in the future and um, some of that kind of content. Um, where you show people like me that don't understand how to put on a light cap the right way. I, dude, I struggle wherever you cross. <laughs> uh, and I'm going to say something like a moron, but like I struggled with putting on that shock cord because I put the cap on, you know, you do it reverse and then you twist it. And I'm like, I would twist it and I'm like, okay, this isn't working. And then realize, oh, dummy, you like have to pull it away from the light body, twist it, and then set it back on. And I'm like, God, I'm dumb. I am so, I'm so stupid. Sometimes that's on us. We <laughs> needed to learn how to communicate better. And so we are trying to do that. I think you'll see that we're really no, it was, up our game this year. As it, was far in, as content. it was in your video. I just like, I hadn't watched it. In a couple <laughs> of I was like, well, I remember how to do this. I'll be I think at that time you were probably watching our first video, which Maybe. someone commented and I was like hurt because I was like, we were trying our best, but it was legitimately in like 280p or whatever. It was so fuzzy and so out of, it was bad. Did they um, ask you if you filmed it on a potato or something? Yeah, it was, there's a couple comments on that video like that. So uh, we've been very blessed to get to know some good people in the community who've taught us a lot about uh, media and we've invested some time and money and we're trying to really step up our game and um, as we release products um, really just uh, make sure we're communicating well not only the how and how to set it up but also the why yeah absolutely man uh, and and I have noticed that some of those videos have gotten better the ones that I've I've gone out and looked at so good on you guys and it's all to it's their all own horn, the process. But I thought they've been fire lately. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. All all moving in the in the right direction. For sure. So, uh but thanks again, man. Uh love it. Always a good time. And uh if you anybody listening, you guys haven't checked it out, head on over to 100 concepts.com, pick up some you know, scope caps, light caps, uh pay speeds, uh sling hooks, all kinds of good stuff on there. Support an awesome company with everything that Jonah, Garrett, and Pierce are doing. Uh so one last time here. Thanks, Jonah. And uh, obviously, you and I will will be in touch. Stay safe out there, man. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, man. So always a really good time when I get to connect with Jonah. But we we talked about a bunch. You know, obviously, there's so much to get into uh, and and pick apart, right, when you're talking about uh, his work, right, with Garrett and Pierce and everything 100 Concepts is doing. But, um, you know, just obviously a very passionate dude. You know, he really likes what what he does. And uh, and it comes through in his work with the company. And it comes through, you know, just listening to him talk. Uh, so I, I, 
I love when I get to connect with him. Uh, he's extremely busy, obviously, you know, running the company and, and, and bringing out products, products to market. He also does the design work and a lot of the testing and things, uh, also has a, a, a newborn or a young child at least. So, uh, that in itself is a, is a huge handful, right? Um, so I, I hope you guys enjoyed it. You know, 100 concepts is one of those companies I think right now that, um, a lot of people are just talking about curious about, uh, they, they watch for the drops and things, you know, whether it's a scrim or a different kind of light cap or, uh, you know, the, they watch for the restocks on those, uh, the ocular caps or the scope caps and things, you know, from the grand thumb video. Um, and they're, they're getting a lot of traction in the community. It's really, really cool to see, man. And I'm, I'm personally, uh, very blessed to, to work with them, um, and, and have them as, as friends and as partners in the industry. It's really, really cool. Uh, they, they're doing all the right stuff. You know, I, I, I really look forward to what they have in the future. I know, I, I know there's some things coming that I think you guys are all going to really, really dig. Uh, unfortunately I, I can't disclose those, but let me just say that they take some of the existing things they're doing and they knock it out of the park with some changes. Um, and you can take that as you will. You know, so hopefully you guys, like I said, enjoyed this. Uh, I, I really did. We, we talked for another probably 20, 30 minutes after we, we got done recording about just, you know, life and, and morality and religion. And, um, you know, one of the cool things I've said this uh, so many times after finishing with, with great guests in this podcast is the, the, one of the coolest parts is the, the quality of human being that you, you get to interact with uh, in projects like this. I I've been very fortunate to cross paths with some exceptional people. And I certainly put Jonah towards the top of that list. Very good dude, very solid human being. Um, and just, just all around great guy. If you guys ever have the opportunity to interact with any of the dudes over at 100 concepts, uh, it's going to be a very positive experience for you. And they're, they're just, they're one of those companies doing things the right way. I can't, I cannot say that enough. Um, so thank you guys for checking this out. Uh, we really appreciate you listening, you know, throw us a like, throw us a follow. If you're not following us on Instagram, it's prepared underscore mindset underscore pod. We're on Facebook, uh, you know, rate, rate this episode, you know, whatever platform that you're listening to, uh, on here, make sure you you give us a rating, give us some feedback, man. We'd love to hear from you. And if you're not following us on Spotify or Apple or Google, whatever platform you're, you know, you're checking this out on, please, please do so, man. Those numbers really, really help us tremendously. And if there's something you don't like, Hey, let us know. Always looking for input, always looking for feedback and ways to grow and be better and, and more successful for, uh, for all of you, our audience, uh, and, and if there's anything you want us to bring out to, to you, you know, there's content, there's guests, there's people you want us to reach out to. I, I did a story on Instagram just a couple weeks ago. Uh, who do you want to see reached out to several of the people that were, you know, that were, that were mentioned on that and have some of that stuff coming in the next several weeks here. It's gonna be very, very exciting for a prepared mindset as we head into the summer. So stay tuned for more, more great guests, more, more great episodes here. Thank you. Thank you so much again for your, your, all your support. Until next time, folks, that's all I got for you. You get out there, work hard, train smarter, and like we say here, be prepared. Be prepared.